0: Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: Hey, welcome to the Von Cash Show. Today I got a hella special guest. It's a friend of mine from high school. Uh, Her name is Shiva. We'll be talking about um, stuff going on in Iran right now and giving like the context of what's going on and just the culture of Iran and just uh, a lot of context that leads up to the death of uh, what many people, you know, of uh, Masa Ami. That's her name, right? How do you pronounce it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Masa Ami, yeah. Um, I think a lot of us, for the... I'm assuming most people listening to this podcast are, for, are Westerners, you know, from America. We don't know too much. I mean, personally, I don't know too much about Iran, and I'm glad to have Shiva, who is from Iran, uh, talk about more about it so we're more culturally aware and knowledgeable as opposed to just, you know, hearing all the negative things. So hi, Shiva.
0: Hello. Hi. Excited to be on. Excited to be a hella special
1: guest. Hella. I mean, I just say hella because we're from the Bay and shit, you know? Um, hell yeah dude i think i can i'm pretty positive i have a box of like old stuff including like photograph, like photos i'm pretty sure i can dig up a picture of us back in
0: (laughs) that that would be awesome
1: dude like you remember we like nicole would carry all the like the disposable cameras that's one of our friends by the way um
0: yeah yeah shout out to nicole
1: happy birthday nicole happy birthday nicole dude like it's so trippy, man. This was like in mid two thousands, and like here we are, like grown ass adults, like with like jobs and and, and stuff.
0: <laughs> I know, God,
1: like twenty years. Oh my now. God, twenty years has it been? Oh, you're kind of right. No, yeah. you're kind of right because that was two thousand three. Dude, yeah, dude. Dang, I know. Hello, hello, old, hello, uh-uh. old. Hella old. <laughs> uh, um. So, yeah, you know, I you reached out to me to talk about this topic. Um, I've seen it online. Um, you know, I didn't know too much about it. I'm so glad you brought it up. I wanted to get you on the podcast for something different, but this is more pressing and important. Um, you know, I didn't want to ask you, you know, about it just because, like, I know you post about it, but I do not want to just ask you. Oh, it was cool you like came up to me and asked, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, tell us briefly who you are and we'll be covering today in a sense.
0: Yeah. So, um, this is a really, it's a really exciting time that like you were mentioning, most of the world doesn't really have a lot of context for, but for Iran, it really is truly the most exciting thing that has happened at least in the last 43, 44 years. Um, And, um, certainly for me as an Iranian, so you you and I met in the ninth grade, I think in in high school, maybe in the 10th grade. Um, I had only come from Iran, uh, two years before that.
1: Really? I thought you were born here. You had no accent or nothing. Like you just came off. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah.
0: I came here in the seventh grade. Yeah. Kind of in, yeah. Like. Towards the beginning of the seventh grade, um, my family moved to California and we just went straight to the East Bay. Um, so I was born in Iran and I was uh, raised there until the age of 12. There was a little period of four years when we were in Europe for my dad to uh, get his PhD. But I went to school in Iran, elementary school, and a little bit of um, I guess that you would consider middle school still um, have you know, I have family there for sure but um, Iran has experienced so much uh, migration and brain drain it's like for the last 40 years right. most people who can leave have left because things there are so difficult Um yeah. So um, yeah, so, so I came from there. I, I was there for a period of time. I was mostly a kid there. I didn't let, I didn't get the chance to spend my teenage years, well, my adolescent mm-hmm. years, and kind of like my young adult uh, years there. But I had a lot of friends and family who were there, cousins and stuff. But I was in touch with. Um, so I definitely have had a lot of close association mm-hmm. with that world um
1: Um, sorry to cut you off like was it a big culture shock coming here and did you know were you like taught um English back there because it seemed like when we when I met you you were straight up like speaking English like nothing no accent nothing
0: yeah um (laughs) so my my family was fairly um I don't know kind of like uh like, my mom actually got her associate's degree in English. My dad went to medical school in mm-hmm. an English language school. And um, the time that we spent in Sweden definitely exposed me to um, English and another language. So it was kind of faster for me to to pick up English. Mm-hmm. And then my parents both listened to a ton of English language music. Got it. And we watched movies and so. I like to say Michael Jackson taught me English. Nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, when I first came here, I definitely was not fluent in in English. Um, I, I could get by, but um, I, I actually started an ESL classes for a couple of months in the seventh grade. And,
1: Got it. Yeah. I was born in the Philippines, and you know, due to colonization and America having a big impact in the Philippines. We were taught English uh, side by side to Tagalog, so by the time I got here, I went to ESL and they're like, "Wait, why are you here? You you know English? You know I had to like pick up on certain cues and stuff, like sarcasm and shit." Yeah. but Like, um, you know, so yeah, dude. Um, and so you came here, Sweden, and was it like a big culture shock compared to what you from like Sweden from Iran to Sweden? Was it a big culture shock?
0: It was a big culture shock. You know, um, I mean, having been in Sweden, I at least, you know, and especially when we were in Sweden, we were in a college town. And there you oh. get people of all different like, countries. Cause right. Everybody's coming to study. So I had a lot of, like, multicultural exposure. But um, <laughs> I remember, like, in Iran, Especially back in the '90s when the internet still wasn't like, not everybody had internet at home, so we were perpetually ten years behind culturally. Mm. And when we first moved here, I remember like telling people that I liked Bon Jovi, and everybody would laugh. At me.
1: Oh, now that'd be cool, you know? Like,
0: <laughs> I know now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, cool as hell.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're mad lame for laughing at me, but, um, yeah. I mean, it was a culture shock. I didn't dress the same. I didn't look the same. Um, I kind of, you know, faced it till I made it and found right. a, a, a posse. You know, like you, found, you find your crew definitely yeah. didn't become friends with like the, the preppy kids and the popular kids, but I, I found my crew.
1: Yeah. Um, for me, for it, it was like, growing grew up in the Philippines. All I saw are Filipinos and, you know, I would see people of other color like on TV. So when I came to the States, I'm like, holy shit, it's so different,
0: you know? Um, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if this happened to you, but I, I grew up, like, when you watch movies and TV shows and stuff, you see, like, quote-unquote Americans. And then mm. when I came and I started school and they put me in ESL class and I was like, who are these people? Because yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, like, all of these, like, blonde parents, like, little kids and you grew up watching on tv and like i would say popular culture definitely at least back in the day did not portray the multiculturalism of american society because i was kind of like oh this is this is not what i had expected
1: when i thought of like america i thought of like ken from street fighter and babe watch like pamela anderson that's what i thought (laughs) yeah um by the way dude like did you go to high school middle school with nicole Did I go to high school with Nicole? I'm sorry, middle school, middle school. Did I go to
0: middle school with Nicole? Yeah, I think Nicole, did Nicole go to WCI? I'm not sure. I would. I I,
1: don't feel like she didn't. Because I feel like when I came there, I would came from a different, like, I came from like Napa. So when I got there, it was like, I didn't know anybody, you know? I just remember she had, like, her hair pulled back with, her like, her forehead, you know? That was really cool. Her long, long hair. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, we're, like... Hello. Maybe not. That's okay. But she's really cool. So, happy birthday, Nicole, when you listen to this. Uh, we really yeah. appreciate you. You're cool. I think I ran into it in her wedding, so that was really cool, like, a blast from the past seeing everybody. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. Like, that was amazing. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, so... Tying it back in, we're talking about Iran and what's unfortunately happened September 22, no, September 16th, 2022, I believe. You know, um, yeah, dude. So, pretty much, I mean, what I'm pretty sure most people listening to this knows there was a woman, um, Masa Amini. She was killed by morality police, um, for first she was detained, right, for having her hijab worn loosely. And that caused, mm-hmm. like, a you know, up, uproar and, like, a, a people protesting in Iran, mainly women. Um, so people know that. But so we can kind of understand kind of, like, what it all means and just the context and the nuances. Can you tell us about, like, you know, growing up in Iran, you know, under the Islamic Republic, what it's like to grow up there, you know, just that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think like in order to really appreciate when somebody is recounting their story of being Iranian or growing up in Iran, it's always within a certain historical context. Yes. And in order to really like understand what Iranian people are feeling and going through, it it helps to kind of know. So Iran is basically modern day Persia. Mm -hmm. And you know, the Persian empire was vast and, um, it goes back several thousand years. Um, and back in, um, 1979, Iran underwent a revolution that basically ended thousands of years of monarchy Mm -hmm. and created the, uh, Islamic Republic. Um, The the, the story of why that happened, I'm I'm sure we'll get to. But um, on the ground, the reality of it was sort of like, I don't know.
2: Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissionstempleedu visit.
0: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. the Handmaid's Tale, we're familiar with it, but the transition, again. yeah, yeah, so I don't know if you've ever, like, for people who haven't seen The Handmaid's Tale, it's basically like this fictional dystopian uh, near future of the United States where these hyper-religious um, people have overthrown the government and they've taken over and um, they've basically, like, imprisoned a bunch of people and they've executed a bunch of people and they have turned any fertile women into like their little house slaves essentially um like obviously the women of iran they're not um they're not like it's not like they were forced to like give birth to sustain society but I remember when I first started watching The Hamlets Tale, it was like, oh my God, this is too close to home mm-hmm. because it literally was like a group of religious zealots that um, came out of nowhere. Yeah. They came out of nowhere and they took over this populist movement. And the next thing you know, I mean, Iran in the uh, 60s and 70s was one of the most modern... Um, Kind of places in the Middle East area, and they they had uh, fairly uh, steady and good relations with uh, Europe and America, and like Hollywood people would go on skiing vacations in Iran, and it was kind of like a destination. Um, and actually, so like Iran and Persian history, the idea of um, women's equality and women's movement. In uh, or involvement in social life, it goes way back. Mm-hmm. So you look at like Persian history; you've got women that were commanders of the army, oh, admirals nice. of the navy. That's awesome. Yeah, it's actually it's really dope. Um, my grandmother uh, was a teacher, like way back in the day when most women didn't really work, and so they took the society that had. A lot of background for women's equality, and they just kind of like overnight, they were like, "All right, all women have to cover their hair, and they can't wear makeup." And mm.
3: they
0: they start like they would have these police forces and these like paramilitary militia forces. So my family would tell stories of like you'd be walking down the street, and all of a sudden there's this dude standing at the end of the street, and he's like, "Pick off your lipstick." cover your hair, mm. like everybody would have to like wipe their lipstick off. My my grandmother, my little old like great grandmother actually, who was herself devoutly religious, they um they harassed her, they detained her. They detained what you're wearing is not appropriate. Imagine that, right? So yeah, it was like an overnight takeover mm. of a bunch of religious zealots. And the, the Ayatollah, um, that some people might remember, he had been exiled from years before to uh, France. And he basically came as a de facto leader and he took over. Um, and it's just crazy, man. It's crazy how quickly that country just flipped. All mm-hmm. of a sudden it changed. Um, then they started declaring the West as enemies. Um, Iran lost all of its... Um, political relations with America, with Israel, uh, with a lot of uh, kind of North American and Western countries. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know if people remember the hostage crisis, the Iranian hostage crisis for a bunch of, um, uh, like, younger revolutionary type people. They went to the U.S. Embassy in Tehran, and they uh, captured a bunch of American diplomats and held them hostage for over a year, wow. for 444 days, if I recall. Um, yeah, and basically, what happened shortly after that is um, Iranians became like prisoners in their own country because all the other countries were like, well, fuck that. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they all closed their embassy. Um, they cut their diplomatic relations. All of a sudden, as an Iranian, your mm-hmm. passport was like barely worth the paper it was printed on. You mm-hmm. couldn't really go anywhere. You had to request visas to go everywhere. So when I was born there, that was um, let's see, so seventy nine to eighty eight. Shit, that was only like nine years
3: mm-hmm. into
0: the uh, into the revolution and that's the world that me and my generation grew up in was this like world where it's like things used to be different Uh, we used to have these freedoms and it really created this um society where what you did and said behind closed doors was an open secret like everybody knew that you know behind closed doors you still party and you like you've got music and dancing and alcohol but you know in public Mm. you got to dress a certain way you can't speak Mm. ill of the government Um, Mm. you have to you know everybody was basically like (laughs) like the islamic republic they they are mandating heaven essentially like, they basically were like, it is a law that you have to go to heaven. <laughs> so we're going to legislate whatever it takes in order to force you to behave oh, wow. by a, a, a certain set of rules. Yeah, like, you know, it's, as, as, a, as a Muslim, you are, if you defect from Islam, if you say, you know, I don't want to be a Muslim anymore, that's punishable by death.
1: Wow, holy shit. No pun intended.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah so man. it was really no choice. Like, Uh, from the age of nine girls come of age and so that's when they have to like cover up and i remember Mm. in school in third grade when most girls turn nine they'll have kind of like i guess this version of a a quinceanera except you turn nine and now you are considered like a woman in a way in Mm. in the eyes of you know god and now you have to cover up and There's actually video of me from the ceremony singing the call to prayer. It's really goofy.
1: Now, for guys, like, can they wear whatever they want, or do they have to also kind of dress more conservatively?
0: Uh, For guys? Yeah. I mean, there were restrictions for guys for sure, but less so with their appearance. One Mm -hmm. of the things that you wouldn't notice unless it was pointed out to you is that nobody um from the islamic republic nobody on iranian television um ever wears ties like ties were mm-hmm. considered a symbol of the west and oh. so you'll see people wear suits but they're yeah. never wearing a tie um uh, you know like men weren't allowed to have certain hairstyles mm-hmm. and weren't allowed to like wear shorts a certain way or wear like sleeveless stuff anything that looked too extravagant or too uh, western but it really wasn't enforced as much as it was enforced on the women right because um, how you make a woman dress in the, the hijab is so much more visible and so much more symbolic you know. um, may I ask,
1: I'm not too familiar with Muslim culture. Like, what is the symbolism behind or the meaning behind women having to be veiled and wearing head uh, hijabs?
0: So that's a question that there are as many answers as people that you ask, right? Mm. So in societies where women aren't compelled by the rule of law or by threat of violence, to wear the scarf, and, or to wear a hijab, or a niqab, or whatever, um, however a Muslim woman chooses to dress, like, you would have to ask them, right, what's the symbolism, what's the meaning, what's the right. significance of it to you, but in in the Islamic Republic, the, the idea was, but well, this is something that is mandated by mm-hmm. the Hadith, by the Prophet, by God, and really like the message that you get over and over again is that you need to cover yourself up because otherwise you will um, you will drive men to sin. Mm. Um, mm, right. Or they, they have all these analogies too, like billboards and campaigns and uh, like speeches where they always compare women to like, a chocolate bar and like if you're yes. wearing your hijab you're like a chocolate bar that's had the wrapper already open or like <laughs> it's meant yeah. to be convincing but it's so dehumanizing it is like,
1: <laughs> it really is and it also it is it kind of like sends a message that the guys are just like they're animals they can't control themselves and they have, they have absolutely. the willpower it's like you're kind of like absolutely your, you're kind of dissing yourself it's like dude like so you're telling me, like, you as a human being, and you're seen as, like, you know, a, a human being, you can't control your impulse and desires. I think that's what it That's what, it, that's what it shows to me. That's what it sends. That's the message it sends to me, like, oh, you're telling me, like, guys can't control their impulses? Don't blame it on the woman. Blame it on yourself. You know what I'm saying?
0: No, that's exactly right. And that's the counterpoint that's always been presented to them that they just won't accept. It's always this idea that... Um, If something happens to you, you're the one that provoked it. Uh, You are causing uh, corruption um, in society by dressing in a way that you might sexually provoke a man. That's
1: yeah. Um, That's like saying if you have an iPhone, you deserve to get robbed because you have an iPhone. You have it out. You know, like you get me. Like it's like ridiculous. It's like oh, you have an iPhone. You have a jewelry. Oh, that that tells me you're gonna get robbed. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't make sense.
0: No, for sure. I mean, it's simultaneously it's like, it's victim blaming, but it's also so disrespectful to men. Yeah. To be like, you know, guys are these animals, and they can't, they can't help it, and um,
1: and definitely just, yeah, I mean, like, this is about to women, I mean, like, come on, like, dude, like, I don't know, it's just ridiculous how, I don't know, it's just really messed up when that kind of logic happens and stuff, and women are seen as subservient, when they should be equal, you know, I mean, I don't know, it's ridiculous.
0: Well, it's interesting too, like, I'm sure most people can understand this idea that if you repress people's natural urges, you're actually going to drive them to more, 1 um, more percent. kind of like um, irregular behavior, yeah. right? It's like, you you take something like every human being they have a certain like force of attraction if you don't give people a healthy outlet for that um you basically like say well you're a bar of chocolate that needs to be covered up and you know you need to like
2: okay round two name something that's not boring
1: a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh
2: Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: You as a man, you need to just like not be attracted to anyone. You're never given an outlet to explore your um, attractions and sexuality in a healthy way. It actually creates like hyper this this really like dangerous atmosphere where like I remember there was always conversations about when you're out and about let's say you're going to like this is back in the day when there weren't any supermarkets and stuff so when you went to go shopping you would still go to the city center and you would go to these like outdoor stalls and it was packed and it was busy and people would talk about getting groped all the time like you're you're covered you're not you're wearing you can't wear anything sexy if you wanted to and yet you're getting groped left and right exactly because people like, it doesn't make a difference they have yeah, it's not like people can just kind of like date each other out in the open so they just take whatever they can whereas like we've got this spot that we go to uh, out in the Yuba River every summer when, when it's warm and it's a clothing optional area of the river and we've got like people of all genders and ages and like men and women they're all like strangers to each other and they are all completely naked and you're never like not a single person is disrespected or touched inappropriately, or you never get the sense that like anybody is ogling you. There's no <laughs> mm. no like corruption. The way they're always telling you, like if you show yourself to to men, um, they they're like these animals that will attack you, and and that's not true. I think in free societies, people actually behave a lot more appropriately.
1: Right. Um, I don't want to compare it to similar things, but it's kind of like prohibition. I'm not again. I can't compare prohibition to you know women's rights and stuff. But it's like you take away something. It's not gonna. It, it you try to ban something, it's not gonna work. It's gonna like kind of counterproduct It's gonna be counterproductive in a sense.
0: That's exactly right, and the same exact example exists in Iran because they have prohibition there. Alcohol was illegal after the revolution, and. They have, like, alcohol dealers the same way we might have had, like, your pot dealer back in the day. And they, man, I mean, like, those people, they could drink you and I under the table.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, and um, it's
0: very interesting,
1: like, how that all works. I mean, okay, when you wore a hijab, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was really, really uncomfortable and pretty hot, I would imagine. Because it's in the heat and it's, like, in the Middle East and it's hot. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely uncomfortable. I mean, Iran a Tehran in particular in the summertime I mean, they have the four seasons. It can definitely get hot over there. You get a heat wave, and you got to put that thing on. Um, yeah, I, I also heard too
1: that sometimes when it's that hot, it's best to wear layers so the sun doesn't like burn you. Is that accurate or no?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have heard that too, but it's kind of like. It's a little bit different.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't um, wear a hoodie. I don't I wouldn't wear a hoodie in like 110 degree weather. You know.
0: Yeah, and like if you wear, so let's say like it's hot outside and you wear a cloth fan like you're not really wearing anything underneath. But mm-hmm. when you're a woman in Iran, you gotta wear the clothing that you're gonna wear when you're indoors, and then on top of it, you gotta put another layer. So inevitably, like. You don't just get to wear like this long, loose, flowy, cool thing. You have you're having to wear layers even in the middle of the summertime,
1: right? Um, so with that said, you give us a bit of history about Islamic Republic and the revolution and everything. Um, what about like how the shared history and historical context between the U.S., U.K. and Iran? If you can kind of talk to us about that, you might give us like a better understanding of everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Iran actually had a relationship with the UK long before it had a relationship with, um, the U S uh-huh. and where that started is with Iran having oil and the UK wanting it.
3: <laughs> right.
0: right. <laughs> like a, <laughs> the, You know, the, the British empire, they kind of have this long history of kind of going around the world and going like, yeah, uh, I like that. I need it. I'll take it. Um, kind of similar to um, what was going on in India in the first half of the 20th century. People are kind of familiar with that. Um, But like BP oil that actually started in the early 1900s in Iran as the Anglo-Persian oil company. Um, So the British were present in especially southern Iran, the oil region from the early um, 1900s. Um, and then the U.S. got involved in Iran mostly as an ally of the British. And a, a couple of times um, when the British wanted something in, from Iran, they kind of got U.S. as their ally to help them get it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there's, there's one example in, in World War II, Iran was a neutral country. Because of the where, because where uh, in like geographically where it's located, um, you have the USSR that was kind of like to the north, and then you had Europe to the west. So, you know, Iran was kind of like an entryway from Asia to Europe, and it had the oil, the British were already there. And like those two countries, they just like occupied Iran and they were using its infrastructure and its resources to. Um, to fuel their war efforts against Germany and uh, during that time when when the British were basically like using all the transportation infrastructure of, of Iran it was really difficult for Iranians to be able to transport food from like farms to the to the market and Simultaneously, they got hit by a, a really bad harvest year. I don't know if it was a drought or what, but there just like wasn't enough food being made, and that created a famine. And um, the uh, the U.S. diplomat in Iran, he has been documented to write letters back to the U.S. saying, "Yeah, there's a really bad famine going on here." So then, Iran reached out to the United States and said, "Like, hey, you got it." Can you help us out? This is like really bad over here. Mm. And so the US kinda like dilly dallied and then eventually they were like, um, yeah, sorry. Um, we can't help you out. The British they need they need what they need and you just need to help yourself. And something like twenty five percent of the population of the country starved to death.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah, just just in that famine. That's that was the second time. Similar famine happened in World War One, Um another really well-known, I mean, like not super well-known among the average person, but like a well-described incident was in the 50s when there was a prime minister who wanted to nationalize Iran's oil. And he sort of said, you know, Iran's oil wealth belongs to its people. So instead of letting foreign countries come here and take it and use it and reap the benefits, you know, we want want yeah, the people to uh, basically be owners of uh, this resource and for, for them to actually see the money. And um, so the U.S. didn't like that very much. And there's a CIA operation called Operation Ajax, mm-hmm. where they basically went and um, kind of influenced um, the Shah at the time, the king of Iran. They basically influenced him to take back powers from parliament and from the prime minister and to oust the prime minister when he was a little bit more kind of in the u.s.'s pocket and um yeah so they kind of encouraged him to uh kick that prime minister out of office um and prevent iran from nationalizing its oil so i would basically say the past 120 years of iranian history a lot of like the Iranian people trying to nationalize their own resources Mm. and trying to kind of benefit from the fact that they are an oil rich country, but then continuously getting um, stuck between a rock and a hard place between their own government. That's not really working in their self-interest and then foreign governments that um, aren't working in their interest either. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, those people who win the lottery and it ruins their life. Yes yeah (laughs) i feel like oil in iran was the same way for the people of iran because it was like now all these powerful sources they want it and and they're going to come and kind of take it and intervene and interfere and prevent people from benefiting from it right um and then in 79 there were a lot of uh, movements of people kind of going like, oh, you know, there was a lot of injustice going on. Um, there were a lot of Iranians that were kind of like Marxists and communists, and they weren't happy with the idea of having a monarchy. And um, they, um, so they kind of started the revolution along with a few other sectors um, of people. Um, and, uh, when when the revolution happened and the sort of like these religious people came and hijacked it and took over everything, a lot of those people actually got executed. Wow. A lot of the people who were fighting for the Shah to, to leave, they ended up becoming political refugees. They had to leave. Millions of them were executed. Wow. Um, and the U.S. basically at that point was like, all right, peace out. We, we don't have, um, they didn't even the Shah himself, who was an ally to the United States, uh, he had cancer at the time. They didn't even let him come to the U.S. Wow. he died in Egypt.
1: Damn, yeah. well, very interesting to me. I had no yeah. idea, like, you know, you'll learn about this obviously in like a lot of you know, history, American history, and everything. I feel like. Iran is kind of like portrayed as in the you know negative light and stuff. So this is very uh, enla- en- uh, enlightening. Learning all this stuff.
0: Uh yeah, I mean right. And, and why would you you know as a person who wasn't born there, you were born in the United States and raised here. Why why would you necessarily know that history? But right. um, you know, it's just the world is interconnected and. Um, these are some of, like, Iranian people, they they really bear no ill will. Some of them are the, the ones, the Islamic Republic types, they do. But the vast, vast majority of people have no ill will towards uh, the West or towards America or towards anybody really. Yeah. Um, they, they, they like, they participate in Western culture about as much as anybody else around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But there kind of is like that history of, um, man, you left us high and dry so many times. Like different foreign governments, they left the people of Iran high and dry so many times. Um, so as, as a person who considers herself American now, I, I sort of see it as, um, you know, like maybe, maybe there's some, Wrongs that we can right. Maybe with knowing this history, we can sort of understand, like, oh yeah, like you know, if if certain things hadn't happened, and maybe things would be a little bit different, and maybe everybody feels a little bit of responsibility um, to try and support the people. But it's very game of thronesy, right? Because people in power are always going to play their games, and Mm -hmm. then the rest of us are. Stuck in
1: between, yeah. I mean, not not to like random tangent. Are you watching House of Thrones or Rings of Power?
0: <laughs> oh, am I watching House of the
1: Dragon? Yeah, I'm sorry, House of the Dragon. Yeah, or Rings of Power?
0: I am. Yeah,
1: is it good? Because uh, I'm
0: not. I'm not watching Rings of Power.
1: Okay. I haven't watched that yet, but I am watching House of the Dragon. Uh, okay. My my thing is season eight Game of Thrones really disappointed me. I'm sure with everybody, a lot of people. Is that mm-hmm. like, um, how does this compare to season eight? Is this kind of like, a, is it the same people writing it? Or is it something like, what should I give this show another shot?
0: So my understanding is that it is not the same people writing it. Okay. Uh, and, and the other difference is, uh, so I had read all of the Song of Us entire, well, all the, like, the Game of Thrones series. I had read those five books like everybody else I'm probably going to die before George R. R. Martin publishes the next one but <laughs> um, I think a big problem with Game of Thrones like where it went off the deep end is where they ran out of source material Right. because the show overtook the books and then they just started like making it up and it turned into bad fan fiction mm-hmm. whereas House of the Dragon actually has source material that was written by J.R.R. R. Martin Got so it. I'm hoping that's going to like going to write Okay. the course is like gonna keep it from getting like real weird but I actually haven't read any of that source material so for the first time I know what it's like to be, to, to like watch Game of Thrones type stuff and have no idea right. who the hell anybody is <laughs> what is going on
1: are you enjoying it so far?
0: yeah I am enjoying it nice. it's like, it's a stress watch you know, it's always mm-hmm. like so tense and
1: I'll give it a shot yeah um, also, too, I remember a while back we talked about Iranian pizza had ketchup on it. Can you tell us more about
0: that? <laughs> Iranian pizza has ketchup on it. Iranian spaghetti had ketchup on it. We just love ketchup.
1: Interesting.
0: Um, <clears throat> yeah, but Iranian pizza tastes a little bit different. Like, I don't know exactly why or how, if it's like a type of flour, if it's like the way that they use the dough or the ingredients that they use. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it tastes a little bit different, but also we just like really love our ketchup. So we put that shit on everything.
1: Interesting. Now, how does, is the ketchup taste like regular ketchup or is it kind of a different variation? Because in the Philippines, we have catsup, which is C-A-T-S-U-P. We also have ketchup. We have catsup too, but it's made from bananas. So it has a different taste yes. to it.
0: Um, who was it? I think it's Max Miller on Tasting History that did a really good episode on his YouTube channel on the history of ketchup. Um, and I, I did not know that. I didn't know that ketchup was a sauce that actually started in Southeast Asia. But know uh, no, Iranian ketchup is like very much like the Heinz tomato right. ketchup.
1: And then I'm a big fan of pizza. Iranian pizza, is it kind of like a thinner crust? or kind of thicker...
0: Tell you what, you're in SoCal and like there are places now, there are Iranian restaurants now that are serving like Iranian style pizza. Ooh, okay. I would say it's like a medium crust. They're not very small. They're more like your individual size pizzas. Um, to check it's it like out. A, it's not thin crust, but it's not like it's not like Costco pizza thick either.
1: Right. By the way, did you know Costco, they have they ask, you can't have food at the food court unless you're a Costco member now.
0: Oh, that is tragic.
1: Yeah, I was a fan, and I remember, um, <clears throat> I would always go to Costco, my mom and my grandma, but they moved out of state now, so I can't go to Costco and get the hot dog and the pizza anymore unless I sign up.
0: Costco, oh no. was <laughs> yeah. so sad. Well, first, you know, like, you know that thing, like, first they came for, like, so-and-so, and I did nothing, and then they came for me, that saying. Mm-mm, no. First they came for the combo pizza. Oh, they yeah. They got rid of the combo pizza. Like, we should have known, but it was only going to go downhill from there.
1: Yeah, I heard there's only, like, one kind of hot dog now. Back in the day, I remember there were, like, a Polish dog and a regular dog. Good times.
0: What are you doing? We like on the Iran sector, because yeah, I yeah, like no, we right. need some petitions. Yeah, some petitions definitely. Costco.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Um, it's, it's different. I just remember, like, and I remember the prices would always kind of stay the same, you know? I don't think it ever really went up. I don't know how it is. I haven't been to Costco since, I don't know, man. I
0: don't think it's gone up. I think I saw a headline that was, like, Costco promises that like a hot dog
1: and a Pepsi is still going to be a dollar fifty. I think I remember saw a meme about it, like the the dude in charge, is like, oh, "We're not going to fucking change it, like, fuck you, kind of thing." Like, we're not going to change it. Like, he was very adamant on not changing it. So, hopefully, that yeah. sticks around. Um, okay, so I like to you know switch back and forth to like you know it's going to get a heavy, it's, it's going to become a heavier uh, podcast with the topics topics. So I like to switch it up, you know, lighthearted to heavy-hearted, <laughs> just to you know. Um, Okay, so I remember you talking about in our previous conversations online about how like um, energy independence and renewable energy can prevent like people from buying oil and gas from bad people kind of thing. Can you talk to us about that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like a big topic right now among Iranian people. Okay. I think most Americans have heard of the Iran deal that um, Obama uh, had had signed, wanted to sign, had kind of like come to some negotiations um, because they don't want, the world doesn't want Iran to have nuclear weapons.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so they were going to negotiate this deal like, hey, if you promise not to develop nuclear weapons, we will ease off on um, the sanctions um then trump came along and he was basically like you know a hurricane and he was just like no I'm not, we're not doing this deal it's not going to happen so now that biden is back he has been talking about going back and sort of going back into talks to do the deal Well of course the, the Iranian people—they're having a revolution right now, and they are trying to get rid of this current government. Mm. And so th- what they're saying to Biden is, "Hey, man, don't, don't sign this deal. Like, don't negotiate with this government because if you if you make this deal." you're going to have to give them something in exchange and you're going to not only legitimize them, but you are going to ease the sanctions on them and you're going to give them a bunch of money and power and um, basically help them to stay alive. Right. Um, But again, with the world being, you know, all game of thronesy and interconnected right now, everybody's also super mad at Russia and -hmm. Russia is another uh, energy exporter they sell oil and they sell uh, gas. Um, so, because of this, uh, because of the horrible attack on on Ukraine, everybody's upset at Russia, and they've been sanctioned. And you know, especially European countries have had to divest from buying Russian energy. Mm-hmm. But you know, but they, they still need to heat up their homes in the winter. Yeah. So now they're looking around like. If we can't buy from the Russians, then who can we buy from?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, Iran's sitting there, and they're like, yeah, we're sitting we're on a bunch of oil and energy. Um, why don't you buy from us? Um, and this is, like, this is where it comes in, like, this predicament where, for example, Germany, they, of all the countries in Europe, they have some of the, like, biggest relations with uh, the Islamic Republic. Well, Germany had the opportunity to move toward renewable energy, toward nuclear energy, and then they suspended that. And if they hadn't done that, they wouldn't be stuck in this position where they either have to buy energy from Putin or they have to buy energy from the Islamic Republic, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. And, you know the U S is kind of the same thing. Like if we actually rely on our own renewable resources, then we don't have to choose which like megalomaniacal psychopathic uh, government between like Iran or uh, Russia or Saudi Arabia, like which Mm. one of these governments do we want to empower so that we can uh, buy oil.
1: Right. Also, Um, I mean, I don't want to put on my conspiracy theory hat tin foil, but I heard there's like conspiracy theories of like us purposely stopping renewable energy just so like we can keep doing business and with certain companies and whatnot. I don't know if it's true but uh, yeah.
0: Who knows, man? I mean, I, I kind know. of feel like
1: Zach Delarocha when I talk about this stuff for like it. Brother Ali. <laughs> yeah, it's about my patron. I, I
0: don't know.
1: Yeah. You know? Immortal technique. Yeah. Oh my God. Yo. Okay. Government. <laughs> okay. Like, I was at the tattoo shop. or was it? Fucking like two days ago. And we heard Immortal Technique. And we're all like, yo, we haven't heard this shit since like 2005. So, very interesting. Yeah. I was like, dude, this is uh, bringing back high school like backpacker rap days. So,
0: <laughs> with
1: what we've said, the context, we can now uh, properly talk about what recently happened. And now I think with what you've said, it will kind of make more sense of what happened, how it happened. Um, yeah. So with that said, can you give us a background of uh, who Masa Amini was? Yeah, so uh, Masa Amini was a 22 uh, 22-
0: 22 year old uh, girl who was visiting Tehran which is the capital of Iran with her family. She is herself from uh, a western area of Iran which is the Kurdish region. So her family are ethnically Kurdish. Um,
2: okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
3: A laundry? Ooh, a book club!
0: Computer solitaire! Huh?
2: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: And she was visiting Tehran and um, she got stopped by the uh, morality police, uh, which are kind of the uh, arm of the police that enforced the dress code and they're always looting around the streets and metro stations.
1: And um, I'm sorry, I mean, let me cut you off. So this was the same people that we talked about, the ones that were stopping at the end of the street and told women to take off their makeup. Is this essentially the same uh-huh. police force? Okay. okay.
0: Yeah. So it's basically like a now official formalized yeah. um, a group of those people like they've got their vans everybody recognizes their vans and they usually have a couple of women with them because the women are the ones that are going to approach a woman and say you know my sister um your dress is not appropriate please pull your headscarf forward please come with us um Um,
1: I'm sorry you to cut you off again and I wonder mm -hmm? morality police are there women on this force or is it just men
0: no yeah there are women okay Okay. There are definitely women. Um, there is a woman, there's an activist called Masih Ali Uh Masih, like M-A-S-I-H. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has been like an anti-compulsory hijab activist for years. Um, and of course, these days, her Instagram is just top-to-bottom videos from what's happening in Iran right now. But if you want to check it out and you have the patience to, like, scroll way down, she's got thousands of videos that uh, people from Iran have sent to her of them being harassed by random people about how they're dressed or being stopped by the morality police. Um, And sometimes, like, you'll see videos of them just, like, grabbing a woman and just yanking her and she's throwing her in a van you know, it's God. Like, she's like kicking and screaming and they're just like checking her in a van uh, so what happens when they when you get detained by the morality police and get to ride in their lovely little van they will take you to this station where you will undergo some re-education and you'll sit there and you'll watch like a video on why it's important to wear your hijab properly and then you will sign a little piece of paper that says, I promise to be a good girl and wear my hijab properly. Um, and then your family has to come and bring you more appropriate clothes. So you were wearing like a jacket that the sleeves were too short or you're wearing capris and your ankles are showing. Mm. So you get to sit and wait there. But outside the station are always these families with like clothes for for their family members that are inside. And so Naso got taken to one of these uh, education detention centers. And bro- her brother was outside waiting for her. And what he describes from outside is that they were all standing there waiting. And then the next thing they hear is a lot of commotion from inside. They hear screaming. Uh, people come running outside. Uh, they start um, like throwing tear gas around. And all of a sudden an ambulance shows up and takes somebody away
3: mm-hmm.
0: from the inside. There is some security uh, camera footage that has been edited and it shows NASA there and it kind of shows her collapsing.
3: Right.
0: So she ends up at the hospital. Um, there from what I have uh, read, there was a journalist that was a whistleblower that went to the hospital and like, took a photo of her mm-hmm. Um. She goes into a coma, she's got bruises on her, um, and then she dies. Right. Um, the police try to claim that she had some pre-existing conditions and that she either had a heart attack or a stroke. Mm-hmm. Well, the family saying, like, this is shenanigans. She's 22 years old, she has no pre-existing conditions, there's absolutely no reason why she would go into cardiac arrest. and she's all bruised up and also... I, I think this is accurate. I haven't seen it verified, but supposedly there is like chunks of the security camera footage that's been deleted. cut out. Right. Um, and then the people that were running out of the station, they were telling, they were like screaming, somebody's been killed, somebody's been killed. So I actually remember in mid-September when this happened, I remember a friend of mine posting that now very familiar picture of Massa, meaning sort of like with condolences and saying like, this is so tragic, this is so sad. And my reaction to it was another one. Mm -hmm. Like here's, here's another woman that they've detained, that they've beaten up, that they've killed. I didn't really think that it was going to spark anything. And then 24 hours later, it has sparked everything. Right. Like The, the death of Nasa Amini, you'll hear Iranians compare it to George Floyd in the sense that he certainly wasn't the only black man right. that was abused and, and, and killed, but it, something about it broke the camel's back, you know?
1: Was it just probably maybe um, like, this has been going on long enough and this was like the last straw essentially, they're like, okay, we have to- Exactly.
0: Exactly. Like, there's so much misery. There's so much economic misery, so much social misery. Like, people have just had enough. Mm. And they started coming out, and it it literally was like, we are not afraid anymore.
3: Right.
0: Like, every single person that you see in Iran, you see videos of people protesting on the street. Every single one of those people is well aware that um, they could die.
1: Consequences. Yeah. And,
0: Every person you see on the street is essentially saying, "I don't care, I don't have anything to lose. You can kill me, mm-hmm. like, I'm still gonna be out here. I'm still gonna protest." And it just, it was a spark that was like wildfire. Every every city and town in the country, and it's been over twenty days now, and it has no signs of dying out. Every time they kill somebody new, it just brings like ten more people out in the street. And I think for the first time in 43 years of the Islamic Republic, I think people are starting to dare to dream that this might be a revolution that's finally going to end it all.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine, you know, what you're feeling because, you know, you're from Iran and you're a woman. Like, how do you handle this? How do you decompress from from this type of, you know, seeing this? How do you cope with it?
0: Well, I I didn't know, you know, I'm married to um, a Caucasian guy. Mm -hmm. Um, He doesn't have an Iranian passport. I never had any hope that I might be able to go to my first country with him or with my future family.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. And for the first time, I am sort of like imagining that, like, what if one day I do? What if one day we can go? There's also a lot of elements of, like, similar to survivor's guilt, mm, yeah. knowing that you are here and you're safe and people are over there fighting and you want them to fight, but you don't want them to get hurt. Like, you will benefit from their fight, but um, right. you're safe and they are not. Yeah. Um, and it's been, it's been really, really overwhelming I mean, Imagine. I've been having like a lot of heart palpitations yeah, <laughs> in no, the yeah, past thanks. couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, is there anything aside from hashtags that we can do? You think that might be more effective than just hashtags and maybe just kind of virtue signaling? Do you know of anything we can do?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like, I—it's not. It's thankfully like a lot of times. Um, it's easy to say that hashtagging and doing like a social media thing is virtue signaling, like just a bunch of posturing. And in this case, just genuinely helps. It really does.
3: Um,
0: people over there need exposure. Got it. They, need, um, they need to know that the world knows what's going on. Right. Uh, there have been a lot of campaigns that Iranians have um, put together to pressure their political leaders in Europe and in the US and Canada to put pressure on the Islamic Republic that are paying off. Um, I mean, knowledge is power. That's the yeah. number one thing right now. It's like, just know, you know, know the history, know what's going on, know how significant this is. This, mm-hmm. Like, this is a revolution. And, and you know, unlike, I mean, I, I love the people of Ukraine. I don't want to downplay what they are going through. And I'm genuinely happy for any support that they get. But people are shipping Ukraine weapons. Ukraine has open borders with a lot of European countries so that millions of people could uh, leave to a safer place, you know, mm-hmm. women and children and people who weren't fighting. Um, the US um, enacted like a temporary expedited asylum plan where Ukrainians could come to the U.S. and be safe for the time being. Iranian people don't have that. They don't have open borders to anywhere. There's nowhere, you know, the elderly and the women and the children can go to be safe. Nobody is selling them weapons. Nobody is fundraising for them. I mean, they're sanctioned. You can't really even, like, send money to organizations in Iran.
1: Like, what, what say so, sorry, I mean, could you, yeah. Venmo, like, Relatives, money in Iran or no? No, no?
0: okay. No, you have to. You can wire transfer money to like your friends and organizations, but you can't Venmo. You can't. There's no like bank to bank transfer. Mm -hmm. Um, certain organizations are sanctioned. Like you cannot, as an American, you cannot do business Mm. with with Iran. Um, you can't, um, like the government doesn't have any diplomatic relations, so they can't really like send anything over there or help out in any way. Mm -hmm. And I think as Americans, we can kind of turn to our elected representatives and say, hey man, like how about an asylum plan for Iranians? Why not make it so that, you know, innocent Iranian people can, uh, get shelter?" in other countries if they need to? Or how about you don't make deals with, with the Islamic Republic? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, question two, um, so from what you've experienced and what you've read and like, how how is the economy in Iran at the moment? I mean, prior to even to prior to this going on, um, I know you- Oh
0: man, <laughs> the economy is absolute shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big problem. Um, like we think we're dealing with inflation over here. When when I was in Iran,
1: when was the last time you were there? When you when you lived there? The
0: last, the last time I visited there was in two thousand eight. Okay. I went there for like a couple of weeks. But when last time I lived there was in two thousand, and at that time, like you could buy a pack of gum for like hundred and fifty tomans, which is the uh, um, the currency there. Um, now, I don't. I don't think so. Like, <laughs> I don't think you get anything there. Like, imagine, imagine if a chicken mm-hmm. costs five dollars at Costco right. today, and then imagine if in twenty years that chicken costs five hundred dollars at Costco. Shit. Wow. Like, the math is not exactly like that, but it's something similar, right? Like, the, like we would sit as, like, families that were abroad. People would, in Iran would tell us, like, guess how much meat costs? Guess how much rice costs? Mm-hmm. And the numbers were just astronomical. Like, it's just it boggles the mind, the rate of inflation over there. You've got a whole class of people, the working class people there that can't afford meat. They can't afford chicken. They can't like they're barely, barely making ends meet. Right. Um, so economically, it's like terrible.
1: I had no idea. You know, I mean, I only knew recently, just because of you know following up to research this interview, but for this interview, but that's that's wild. You know, I've, I I couldn't imagine living like that. You know, I mean, I I'm from the Philippines and I know it's bad there, but I, I'm sure it's a lot worse than. Iran, you know, um, yeah. like,
0: hmm. and this is where actually like this ties into your last question because Iran has wealth, right? Yeah, it
1: does. So, so where it oil, is it? Right. Yeah. Does it, is it kind of yeah. just hoarded by the upper elite, like the real family? Exactly.
0: Kind of exactly. And these upper elite, all of their children are gallivanting in the United States and in Europe. Like, See pictures of them partying in London and half of them are like the PhDs and academics and students and professors in every major university in the US they own property in Canada mm. they have so many assets um, right. in the West which they claim to be against
3: right.
0: they send their kids here for education and their kids are certainly not wearing the hijab and I mean, like all of this stuff is exposed. There are so many uh, Twitter and Instagram accounts that are exposing these people, like the daughters of these clerics, uh, wearing mini-shirts and modeling and Mm -hmm. um, just abject hypocrisy. And that's one thing that um, Americans can do as well, or Western people can do as well, is like turn to their representatives and say, like, how is it that these people are here exactly? Right. Like if they if they belong to a sanctioned government and they have, like, government money or if they are anti-West or if they have ties to terrorist organizations, then why do they have visas and residencies to come and live and study and, like, own property and assets? Great
3: question.
0: Canada has actually done a really good job of this lately. Uh, from a lot of the pressure that people put on them, they have put a lot of sanctions on um, a lot of uh, the assets of Islamic Republic members over there in the mm-hmm. past couple of weeks. Like, so that's certainly something that can be done,
1: right? I mean, okay. So is there like a way to support the Iranian people without somehow like financing the the government? Like, is there a way to like siphon that money to where it bypasses the government? You know, you know what I'm trying to say, like.
0: Um. I think, like, the biggest way that you can support the Iranian people is to lobby your government mm-hmm. and not help the people that are killing them.
1: Right, right, okay.
0: So don't strengthen their enemies. That's what the people of Iran are asking.
1: Got it, got it, good to know. Um, how dangerous, I mean, can imagine, is it for the journalists and protesters? I mean, protesters we already covered, but journalists, I heard that the, the journalists that leaked that uh that picture of uh Masamini, they're in pretty much deep shit right now. They're they're getting death threats mm-hmm. and not
0: it's always been very dangerous to be a journalist in Iran, especially if you have any interest in telling the truth. There mm-hmm. are many, 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 many political prisoners in Iran who are in jail for decades, haven't seen the light of day. Wow. Um there is uh I don't know if you know about this, but there's this young guy He's a singer-songwriter. I've heard about this.
1: I, yeah. He made yeah. a song on YouTube. He put a song out at beautiful lyrics, beautiful singing. And recently, from what I've heard from a friend of mine who's Iranian-American, Nora, she told me that he was kind of just like taken by the... Like law enforcement never seen or heard from since it was like a really peaceful, lovely song. I, I listened to it. I, just, yes. I saw the subtitles. Yes. I what was, Do you know his name? I forgot his name. Know yes,
0: his name is uh, Sharvin. Yes, Sharvin Haji um, Yeah, so he sang this song and it uh, went viral, and then he got detained. Yeah. And while he was in detention, the song disappeared off his page. And then his Instagram disappeared, and then about a week later, his Instagram reappeared without the song, and then recently he reappeared. Oh, okay. And so he put out. This is really eerie. He put out this statement on Instagram that was like, "Hey friends, thank you so much for the support you've shown me. It's unbelievable." Um, I just wanted to say, like. uh, this work that I did, um, I like certain foreign elements have used it without my permission for their purposes, and I never intended for the song to be used in that way. Uh, so yeah, you know, don't like that's don't right. don't think that I intend. Yeah, <laughs> so basically, like anyone. Any Iranian that knows Iran is like, okay, this is a forced, right? apology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then he a couple of days ago he posted an Instagram that actually still today is the most recent post on his Instagram, where he's sitting in a car and he's kind of saying the same thing. He's like, hey, thank you so much for the support. I just want to say that uh, if I disappeared for a while, like, don't worry. Everything's oh fine. God. But basically, um, I guess there were some concerns that I might be in coordination with some foreign elements to uh, try and like do something here. And it was just a misunderstanding and everything is fine now and been clarified that there was no such thing. And anyway, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And then at the very, very, very last frame of the video, as as he's like panning away, you see this dude sitting in the back seat of the car.
1: Oh my gosh, that's scary!
0: <laughs> yeah, and and then news came out that he has now been charged with uh, inciting um, revolution. Yeah, basically. So he's still in deep doo doo. Wow,
1: which kind of segues our. Next point, the final point, like you know, here we see a religious power, you know, a religious religious group of people take over this country and enforce its religion upon a country. We've seen it. You know, this is like you said, it's documented. It's happened for years and years. What can we learn as America, you know, from the takeover from a theocratic government, you know, in light of the repeal of the Roe and Wade? Some crazy shit, you know. Mm-hmm. People talk about these days because I, I didn't see the, all the dots until you started talking about it. Like, wait a minute, what if, you know, X religion comes in and just starts, you know, enforcing mm-hmm. their 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 laws and things from their book, their religious book, mm-hmm. to to the people. And it's interesting because what what's the First Amendment? It's like we fucking bad with like this shit, but it's like. We like, okay. It's interesting that the founders came here allegedly to escape religious persecution. Isn't this what Mm -hmm. trying to do kind of thing? Like, what can we learn from this? You think?
0: I think one of the biggest lessons is simultaneously how slowly things change. Yeah, it's kind of like the way day turns to night. It doesn't happen in an instant. It's like gradually, gradually, gradually. But like, you know when it's day and you know when it's night, but you're not really quite sure when it happens, right? Yeah. Because it's such a slow process. Things creep up on you. Like by the time you realize that you are on fire, it's too late. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing is how quickly a country can go from being one way to being a totally different way. Right. The the course of Iran going from looking a certain way, feeling a certain way, being a certain way to doing a total 180, becoming unrecognizable to the people who lived there was less than 10 years. Yeah. And... The mentality of, like, a, a kind of hunger for power or religious totalitarianism, um, sort of the need to control people or the idea of policing each other's morality or trying to force each other to go to heaven. Um, you know, the Bible says this. The Bible says you can't be gay. The Bible says you can't get an right. abortion like these things, it's just the same thing by a different name. Like it cracks me up. Like there are so many elements of like American, like some of the evangelical kind of like militant Christianity. That's like, dude, you and the Taliban are the same. I don't even know why you dislike each other because you literally want the same thing. Pretty much. I mean, you're, you're,
3: you
1: making a very good point. I mean it's pretty true. I I have yeah, some relatives that went to the far left of the uh Christianity uh evangelical born again, dude. Rose. I don't even, it's like I almost don't know them. Uh, it's like I don't even know anymore like the, their their beliefs and shit. Like my like my family are pretty religious, c- Catholic, right? But like
3: mm-hmm.
1: my some of the relatives that are born again, dude, you and my relatives that are Catholic, dude, this is fucking nuts, dude. It's fucking crazy shit. Like The shit they're saying, nah. You know?
0: Yeah. Um, there's a memes too, that there's, like, pictures of, um, you know, like, some American families they'll post like pictures of themselves with AR-15 and like their kids are holding guns and mom is holding a gun and dad holding a gun. And, like, they're all holding guns and they've got like a flag behind them and they've got a Bible in their hand. Bro, the same exact picture exists of like this Hadabi woman and her husband and their kids and their AK-47s and right. their flag and their, and their holy book. Like you look the same. You believe the same Right. You want, God. you want to you yeah. want to oppress women, you want them to stay in the kitchen. Exactly. You want everybody to who's like, not you're, and your God is the same. Yeah, it's you believe in the same God too. Like what's your problem with each other? They're exactly the same.
1: I just think maybe they're using religion as an excuse to, you know, do what they do, you know, because I cannot like maybe in theory, like I can argue with a person, right? Like, Oh yeah, I don't believe in you, but you say, Oh what I'm what I'm doing, it comes from a higher power. You can't argue with that, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. scary stuff. You're right. Thank you for making that uh uh what is it? Uh putting those two dots together. Because I never thought of that until now. Very true.
0: If it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. It can happen here.
1: You know, we've seen and- a lot of we've seen a lot of weird shit the past few years. That's all I'm gonna say. A lot of shit that I thought never happened, happened. Yeah.
0: I know. I mean who thought whoever thought that Roe v. Wade would actually be repealed? And now you have some that
1: blows my mind. I was like what weirdo the fuck? <laughs> like, There I was a just- state
0: legislator, I forget from which state, I just read this yesterday that he was saying like, Well maybe we should uh punish people with the death penalty and what? if we like punish them with the death penalty Aren't you pro-life? for abortion that will Aren't they no apparently <laughs> I don't know, like man. apparently not pro women yeah
1: that's i need to get like a someone in like a an abortion clinic on my show or something i gotta talk about this because i i never really talked much about it but you know yeah no 100 percent, dude i mean uh, i wish i definitely wish you know the best in iran like you know they have a revolution for the better you know that they gain their freedom back, and justice—actual justice—is, you know, dealt. You know. Um,
0: I mean, the bravery is really something
1: else. Hundred percent. Like I, else. and it's being led by women, and and they're throwing their jobs in the air, burning them. It's like, damn, dude, that is, yeah, that's, um, yeah. That, I guess it shows Perfect. how, how bad things are for them to to do this. You know, I hope, uh, okay. hope things change for the better. You know, um, my condolences to all the people that have lost their lives or detained. You know, just in general, hope they get out. Or people who have lost their lives, you know, condolences because it's very interesting. I hope so too. I mean, like, I,
0: I, I think, yeah, I think the revolution is ours to lose right now. Right. Um, we we should not let the flame die out. We should mm-hmm. continue to fight. the The regime has never been this close to falling people are not slowing down. I think we should not let them down. I think we should know what they're going through, amplify their voices, share their videos, and really talk to our politicians about supporting them and not helping uh, their oppressors. And, yeah, I mean, it's just an, an unarmed group of people paying for their freedom with their lives.
3: Yeah.
0: And, I, I truly, truly, truly hope that something
1: actually changes. Likewise. Well, it was a very nice conversation. I think uh, I learned a lot. I hope the audience learned a lot. I came away knowing a lot more. Definitely be tuned in more. Thank you so much for your time. It's a lovely conversation. Hopefully, next time, be more lighter. But uh, I, I'm glad. I'm glad we had this conversation. You know, I think. Um, yeah, hey
0: thank you man thank you so much for for letting me come on here and no talk about this
1: yeah I mean,
0: it means a lot to me and definitely yeah i really appreciate
1: it yeah man you know i mean like i i had no idea you were born there and everything and you know it's just uh it makes me kind of just like put things in perspective sometimes i think i have a bad you know sometimes i think it's in that but you know, there's a whole world out there with going through what they're going through and um yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for educating us uh, about things we yeah, need to learn because sure. I feel if I'm being honest, the media here is not very is not very kind to the Middle East. You know, I feel like the most of the media portrays the Middle East in a certain way in an extremist form in a negative way. What you uh discussed shows talked to, you know, talked about Iran culture what it was before and after what they're going through. You know, it's uh it's not what the media just portrays, oh, a bunch of terrorist, anti-Western people kind of thing, you know? So thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for that.
0: Yes, yeah, it was my pleasure. Hopefully, maybe in, in a few years, Iran can be a place where people can actually go on vacation and experience. I mean, it's so culturally rich. It's so ecologically beautiful. It's got skiing. It's got um, islands that are like Hawaii. It's got what? rainforest. No way. It's got culture.
1: Holy yeah,
0: shit. Sp- yeah, okay. I mean, oh, who
1: know, right? okay, because again, I am, I live in my own California little bubble. Uh, there was, you said skiing in the Middle East? I didn't know that. Like high mountains and stuff? Ski? Yeah.
0: Yeah, Iran, I mean, like, Iran has, um, most of the population of Iran lives on the, like, skirts of the two big mountain chains there. Um, like Tehran, where I was born, it has an elevation that's like almost the same as Denver. My
1: whole well, family grew up here. Whoa, very interesting. And then you said there's islands yeah. in Hawaii. Oh, wow, I seems like a place I want to visit. You know, obviously when the time is right and everything. If you know, yeah, but, um, that's yeah, wonderful. Okay, so like, what? Okay, I'm getting hungry now. So I want food. Iranian <laughs> food. What does that consist of? Because when I think of Middle Eastern food, it's a very general thing, right? It's like the rice and the kebab. Um, yeah. To ma- the ro- the the roasted yeah. tomatoes. Is that is that accurate of what Iranian cuisine? Some of it is.
0: Well, like yeah, I mean it's like a popular out like a meal to go and eat outside, but it's a little generic. Like there's so much more to Iranian food. Right. Kind of like it you know, like thinking that burritos are representative of all of like Mexican. <laughs> it's not even, it's not even
1: Mexican. yeah
0: yeah um there, there's like there isn't a ton of diversity in iranian food that you can get at a restaurant but still i would say iranian food is pretty unique among the middle east mm-hmm. it's like very herb heavy it's Spiced, but not spiced the way Indian food is spiced. So it's mm-hmm. not like necessarily spicy, but it's very aromatic. A lot of people might know Tadig, the crispy rice. Um, different braises and stews. And I mean, imagine like aromas of like saffron and pistachio mm. and rose. And
1: sounds really good.
0: It's really good. Um, it's really good.
1: Is alcohol still prohibited in Iran or not so much?
0: Alcohol is currently prohibited in Iran. However, our wine culture goes back thousands of years. Interesting. Shiraz wine is named after the city of Shiraz, I had no south idea. of Iran. I'm going yeah. Yeah. to...
1: Shiraz wine. I didn't know. That's from yeah. the Iranian country. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's not that the wine is from that region, but it is named after that region. Mm. We have entire like poets that like, all they wrote was about, like, drinking wine and, like, reciting poems. And,
3: right.
0: Yeah, huge, huge wine culture. In, the, in in Napa, actually, there's a winery called Dariush. Mm-hmm. It's owned by an Iranian family. And they um, really do a lot to kind of, like, share the wine uh, culture and history of Iran with the world. It's very bougie. Like, I haven't seen you actually get a reservation to go there. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> but, um,
1: yeah 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 is i mean i'm out. i used to do drugs currently like in a program um like what is a penalty for like having like hashish or, or is, is is hookah legal in is tobacco legal in um iran
0: tobacco is legal yeah but there's a big big opium problem so kind uh, of like heroin is a problem here the big opium problem over there right. uh and of course like drugs are illegal alcohol is illegal is it kind of like that punishable
1: by a very extreme unfair uh, penalty type thing
0: It's punishable by lashing <laughs> What that's like
1: some old OG like like yeah Going into barbarian type by lashes. Yeah, Damn. Yeah.
0: yeah,
1: yeah. All I'm gonna yeah. say is, man, you better be on opiates when you're getting lashes. I'm sure it help, but it's fucked up. Is uh? Um, yeah,
0: I've I've, wow. I've known people who wow. have gotten that penalty. Yeah. My
1: goodness, that's that's horrible. Yeah,
3: medieval.
1: And yeah. Um, is social media? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's heavy heavily regulated there. I imagine too
0: it is but everybody in iran uses a lot of vpn to uh log into social media anyway so Mm -hmm. um right now because they are kind of just like completely messing with internet access entirely um, and including kind of interrupting a lot of the vpns it's hard for people to have access but the the, the freaking the supreme leader has got a twitter account Wow, yeah. Make that make sense. (laughs) He's gonna say Twitter is illegal, it's prohibited, but then he has one and he tweets out it like like, who are you talking to? Very
1: yeah. Random, random. Since we're in the spirit of Halloween, I like Halloween. Is there a similar holiday or similar type of vibe or similar like kind of thing in Iranian culture where they celebrate the dead or just you know, or any like Iranian ghost stories kind of you can like kind of briefly mention? (laughs)
0: <laughs> um i wouldn't say there's anything similar to halloween it wouldn't surprise me if people actually celebrate halloween there because a lot of um, american holidays make their way right but um my favorite one of my favorite holidays that i always invite people to and they really enjoy is the fire jumping ceremony before the new year okay um every Tuesday, the last Tuesday of the year before the new year, which for Iranians is the first day of spring, um, we do this fire jumping thing where you build a fire and you jump over it, and the idea is that you give your ailments and your problems to the fire, and from the fire you get life and health and
1: um, that kind of stuff. That's wonderful. I like that. That uh, you kind of it's like a metaphorical you crossing the I don't know, like the next side, and the fire cleanses you, kind of thing. How high is this fire? Is it like a bonfire pit type vibe?
0: As high as you want it to be, my man. Oh. <laughs> um, like oh. Some people will keep it like, let's keep it kind of safe. We'll keep right. it kind of small. We'll make it something manageable. But like in Iran, it's like a big old party every year. and definitely It's kind of like Fourth of July where people get hurt and they blow their hands up. It's <laughs> kind of like similar there. Like you know, people people get hurt every yeah, year. Yeah, I was
1: gonna say, is it? This sounds a, a bit dangerous. But so are the fireworks. My favorite part of Fourth of July. Yeah. Remember that time when the aliens were invading, and the president like united the whole world to like fight the aliens, and Will Smith like blew up the fucking thing. Wait,
3: what happened?
1: Fourth of July, Independence Day.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, when the aliens what? when the aliens came and they attacked us and like. The president of the united states like like united everybody remember that part? oh yeah yeah sorry i was <laughs> like is she not catching this joke <laughs> look <laughs> every time i watch that movie i listen to that speech i cry like for her, three years her. i would post that um on youtube that that same that speech, that that morality speech, that that moral booster, Yeah. dude, I was like, fuck, man, that was so good. I don't know. Thinking about it, I'm kind of tearing up right now.
0: So the funny thing about that movie is, like, I grew up in Iran in the '90s, and okay. at that time, if you wanted to watch like movies that had come out, popular movies, they were all bootlegs. Oh yeah, and some of them would, like, th- somebody would have like a VHS of like. Titanic and the same VHS tape would exchange hands like a hundred thousand times. Like you would borrow it and then you'd give it to your cousin and they would borrow it and Mm -hmm. they would give it to their friend. So, like the same movie, because you didn't, you couldn't just like go to the movie theater and watch the latest release, something would come in as a bootleg and then everybody watched it to death. Right. And, um, Independence Day is not one of the movies that really like came our way. What Men in Black was, I nice. watched that movie probably fifty thousand times.
1: Um, um, my first movie watching, my first um, movie I saw in America in a theater was Independence Day. I think that's why it has like a big uh, me. it's a
0: particularly um, memorable for you. Yeah,
1: um, I did the same. I remember when I was younger, before like you know, for those who were younger, we didn't have iTunes, we didn't have Spotify. I remember Eminem's Marshall Mathers LP CD came out. I wasn't allowed to have the CD, so I borrowed my friend's copy. I'd burn it on a tape cassette, but I could do that, but I can't have, I didn't get that. I I can have, I can have the actual music, but just not in a CD format, but I can burn it and it's okay. I didn't get that logic. I guess your parents just didn't
0: want you to support Marshall Mathers financially.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a... Yeah, yeah. Or just in general, Napster
0: days? Oh,
1: dude, yeah. Remember front,
0: last the Napster days where you wanted to hear a song and you would go to Napster and you downloaded it and then you just had to, like, hope that that's the song that you wanted? <laughs>
1: dude, LimeWire, bro. Like, I learned yeah. you don't download anything that says EXE, which is a program, uh, RAR. Um, or sometimes you would, like, it would be, it would be, mis- it would be a mission, like, the title would be incorrect. Purposely. It would oh, new remix, or this song, but then you'd li- open it, it's something totally different. And you wonder, yeah. like, did I just, yeah. like, put a virus in my computer? Or,
0: like, people wanted to disseminate their demos or whatever, so they would name it after a popular song, and you would download it and be like, what? <laughs> This is not that song
1: at all. I never thought of that. That's pretty kind of, it's kind of clever, but very manipulative, but clever. What? Definitely. Um, oh man, okay, so I work at a grocery store and I always tell the customers like when it's you know Friday night, Saturday night, man, if you're in the 90s, we'd be a blockbuster right now and you know, the older ones, oh yeah, you know, they got flashbacks and shit. Oh
0: man, yeah,.
1: They were. I feel like it was a bit safer back then. I don't know if it actually was only because we see all the crazy shit going on in the world. But I felt like it's safer. Like for instance, a lot of customers are moms, cute moms, you know, cute little moms, mills, you know. They're they're telling me they go trick or treating with their kids at four to five p.m. I'm like, dude, that's so fucking early. But they're like, oh, you know, it's for safety. I'm like, oh shit. And they even tell me back in our days, including you, we go trick or treating
0: like fucking eight or nine o'clock at night. You know. I know. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. It's like the world is kind of different now Like in our neighborhood too. Like, I don't know. The problems are different. The the things that are going on on the street, like maybe I also wouldn't feel comfortable sending my hypothetical kids out trick or treating in our neighborhood by themselves at 9 yeah. o'clock at night because there's like a lot of people with like addiction and mental health issues in yeah. our neighborhood yeah um, but yeah like when i was a kid my parents used to send me down to the corner store to get some cigarettes
1: <laughs> i heard about that it's my, my parents ever sure. did but like they didn't charge you nothing I'm like, oh it's from my parents and they were yeah it. It, i
0: mean this was back in iran too oh okay okay, okay, okay. Give a shit. yeah
1: <laughs> i'm curious what cigarettes were they do you remember
0: probably Marlboro's.
1: what was the first cigarette? i don't know i, I don't want to put you out there what was the first cigarette you smoked
0: Dude, I was a square. I didn't really like. I didn't really smoke
1: cigarettes. Dude. I in high school I smoked school. cigars. Every oh, baller, now. yo! Can I tell you the first time <laughs> I smoked a cigarette was with fucking Nicole and her ex dog, fucking Marlboro Reds.
3: <laughs> I can believe that
1: it was. Um, it was by the Casper's hot dog. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. 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 First time I smoked it was with them too. Hi, Nicole. Thank you.
0: <laughs> remember um, EMP? EMP. Like every day after school, it was a parking lot of Macy's across the street just like where all the skaters would yeah. congregate after school and they would just like sit there. and
1: Oh, it was Nathan's. Wait, wait. What was it, EMP? What was that again?
0: I don't know what it was called. For whatever we we call it EMP.
1: But uh, I was only there for a year but I remember like... Um, yeah, dude, freaking a man. I, I definitely. It's just, I'm getting flashbacks now, man. Like, I remember that area you guys always hung out at by the lockers. Um, yep. Yeah,
0: man. Wow. Oh. Yeah, we used to sit there like every lunch, in between, like the four or five of us. None of us ever had any lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> somebody would, somebody <laughs> would like lose in their pocket and be like. Holy oh, shit! I found a dollar. We'd go to the cafeteria and buy like a churro, which is one of the only things you could get for a dollar. Oh. And then we would cut the churro into five equal pieces. Oh, we would have clues. like a two-inch section of a churro for lunch. I don't know why we were such bums in high school. Uh,
1: I forget. Okay, was food free in high school? The cafeteria? I feel like it was. No, free. it wasn't. It
0: wasn't. No, I remember like. You could get pizza, you could get zombies, you could get churros, you could get like one of those little boxes for $3.50 that had like a carton of milk in it and like whatever little entree of the day it was. I don't remember. I don't remember what it was because I never had money to get it.
1: I don't remember eating much really. I don't remember much actually. Like I just remember I had a girlfriend at the time we hung out here and there but that part of my life, I don't remember. I mean, maybe I don't choose I don't much know, remember it, but, like, the food-wise, I don't remember. I just remember, like, hanging out, taking pictures with the fucking camera and listening to uh-huh. music, the CD player, the Walkman kind of thing. Do
0: you remember the random rap battles that would break out? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I was part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember,
1: I think what happened was I kept battling people. I kept winning. And then I got to a point where I battled this one, and he was really good, and I lost. And this is, a, this is like around the eight mile time. I remember that. Yeah. I remember.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, it was. I'm pretty
1: sure that's what inspired it too. Yeah. Dude. I, man, that was 2003. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's just me, but it seemed like looking, you know, looking at the generation, the, the younger generation these days, we looked older. We looked our age. Like they look a lot younger. Is that just me?
0: Like, we looked younger then or we We looked looked older? We looked
1: looked older. Like, it seemed like, I don't know, when I see someone who's in, like, freshman year, they look like a fucking kid. But I remember when I was a freshman year and I saw a senior, oh, they're fucking old, you know? Is that just, like, our mind being biased or?
0: It's not. I just saw a video on this. It's a real thing. Okay. Like, it was exactly this. like, did people used to look older and the answer was that, like, yes, they actually did used to look a little bit older. Some of it is a mental bias, but some of it is, like, actually back in the day, on average, people looked older. I feel that way, too, especially about, like, the people that were in classes above you.
3: Yeah.
0: Now that I think about it, it's like, oh, my God, like so-and-so was a 14-year-old kid when I knew them. But to me, they seemed like a whole ass adult
1: yeah, dude, like, okay, so our work, we have um, we have high schoolers that are, you know, they're not 18 or under 18. They're like juniors and everything. And I'm like, dude, like, when I was a freshman, I would look up to fools like this and they're like, they're like super cool people. When I look at them, they're still cool, but like, they didn't have that like, it, that, I don't know, that it factor. I don't know. It was just it was different. I can't explain it. I
0: was I do, also thinking the other day, like, did, did, our, did our school have a lot of bands or did all high schools have a lot of bands because i feel like we had a yeah, pretty bands, big dude. music scene
1: yeah i remember um nicole is super big into it. she's in a bunch of bands um i don't know yeah i don't know it could just be like that area but i remember there were a bunch of bands there's a fucking fair the people uh, did you go to the the walnut creek fair yeah 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 trippy man well Dude, thank you so much for this conversation. I'm glad we kind of ended it on like a more upbeat note, but, you know, going back to it, definitely. Thank you again so much for talking about what you did, you know, everything going on in Iran and everything. Um, Which is nice to have a casual conversation afterwards. Like it's nice. I haven't talked to you in ages. Last time I talked to you was in 2015 or 2016 at uh, Nicole's wedding. You know, mm-hmm. I still had the wedding announcement. Nicole Law and Johnny Sagakis, August 13th, 2016. Ceremony, 3.30 oh, p.m. Boy. Reception, 5 p.m. At the <laughs> Solid Movie Museum. So if you guys are there. Yeah, what are
0: cool locations.
1: Yeah, if uh anyone here is a time traveler, you can go back to that time and we'll be there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, thank you so much. I don't yeah. hold you up. An hour and 40. Yeah. I said an hour. So thank you so much. I appreciate the conversation.
0: I appreciate it so much. It was so good catching up with you.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And once again, happy birthday, yeah. Nicole. Happy birthday, Nicole. All right. Take care. Have a good one. You too. All right, bye bye.